Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildebrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. That is still the email address. Feel free to find us on Facebook, on Fancred, and of course on the Twitter. We also have your reverbs from 408Verbal1. That's 408-837-2251. Going to play those momentarily. Our good friend Taylor from Red Shell Radio threw those together. So we'll play those for you in just a bit, Daniel. How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good. Ate a lot of food. It wasn't a typical Thanksgiving because I was in New Jersey, yeah. not California. Family came back east, hung with my uncle in, ooh, you know Jersey better than I do. Do you know where West Orange is? Yes. It's right by there. It was North Caldwell. Okay. Um, that's where he, it was like a golf country club, whatever it was. It was his club that he belongs to. It was good. The food was good, but not as fun as California. How was yours? Well, we had some kitchen mishaps here on this end, Dan. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear it. Mama H was a bit flustered on Thanksgiving. Normally, she's a rock. Right, obviously. But uh, had a drain back up and a furnace go, and God knows what else go wrong. But the food was good. I'm sorry to hear it, Ty. Everything everything came out all right? No Never. no big family squabbles? No, no squabbles. No, like, burnt turkey, anything like that. No houses on fire. Okay. All was pretty much well. So I can dig it. Did you watch football is the bigger question, though. You know, Ty, I watched a lot of football. Yeah. I watched Thursday, Texas A&M, LSU, which we did not preview because we were in a rush. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Uh, Texas TCU saw a little bit of, and then Friday football afternoon and obviously football day yesterday. So I was able to get all that in. Were you able to? I was able to. And the one thing that I, I kind of thought of as a recurring theme just in right. watching these games, a lot of really good close games. Mm-hmm. It's almost like with these rivalries, you just got to throw the records out. Got to throw the records out the window. Throw them out the window. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children <laughs> of all ages, pin your ears back. Let's play those week 14. Dial them up. It's Thanksgiving, and I found myself hoping the mere thought of doing dishes didn't stop Ty from having a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Hey, this is a catfish from Kentucky game would be super boring and uninteresting. And it was 
super interesting and not boring. I hope that UK guy still calls in. How come we don't play his reverbs anymore? I want to hear from him. There's too many games on right now and not enough devices for me to keep up with them all. You should really have to sign a waiver before you watch Big Ten football. If you had told me at the beginning of the year that Mizzou would lose to Indiana and still win the East, I would have laughed in your face. And I also wanted to congratulate Indiana, your 2014 SEC East champion. I've done a lot of thinking and I just can't do Iowa football anymore. It's the dumbest part of my life. There's only one thing to say about that game. Say nothing about Devin Gardner except he's a very giving man. Michigan State kicks a field goal with 22 seconds in the first quarter to take a 13 nothing lead that will surely be insurmountable for the Penn State offense. I just rushed to the refrigerator for a piece of pumpkin pie and I think I accidentally sacked Christian Hackenberg. Really looking forward to that Virginia Tech Penn State pinstripe bowl matchup. They may have to peel both Michael Brewer and Christian Hackenberg off the ground. Celebrating a day of. Uh, Beating the Cats and the Illini getting a bowl uh, game berth and completing the drive for six. Go Illini. Friends and neighbors, it pains me to see my Terrapins give up a 25-point lead. But if anyone deserved to hang that on them, that someone was Ralph Fridgen. The Randy Edsel team were a 25-point lead at home. In other news, I found a roach in my oatmeal. Gross. Just got finished watching the first half of the USC scrimmage. I think they were playing Notre Dame. We are now perfectly set up for the Ty Hildebrandt Bowl with Penn State taking on Notre Dame in the Pinstripe Bowl. Lock it up. This is Kevin Sumlin. I was wondering if Mike Sherman players could come back to play for me. And LSU is 3-0 in SEC play against the gimmick offense of Texas A&M. What's your favorite Kevin Sumlin era Texas A&M win over LSU? Bye-bye, Mississippi State. I'm sorry, SEC fans. You will not have two teams this year in the playoff. Auburn fan obviously um, crushed that would happen tonight, but they played a hell of a game, gave it everything they had. No one gave Auburn a shot, so I don't game day this morning, but they just fought the tails off. Also, I have come out of this first rivalry week with uh, with Missouri, hating Georgia fans more than I hate Missouri fans. I've come to the conclusion that we now live in a world where Texas and Texas A&M both suck in football, and Baylor and TCU our playoff team. And I realized that Baylor fans are like the 17-year-old who complains about sitting at the kids' table during Thanksgiving. Rocky Balboa is watching this Oregon, Oregon State Civil War in the first half and screaming, stop the fight! Stop the fight! Fordham Rams putting a beat down on Sacred Heart. 44-22. to Boogie Down Bronx is in effect, baby. The Fordham Rams are not just New York City's one true team. They are America's one true team. And that somebody needs to tell Spinebob that. As a fan of the CU Buffs and the Vanderbilt Commodores, I prefer to remain anonymous. If college football doesn't want me, then I don't want college football. All right. There are your week 14, your rivalry week reverbs. A little long this week, but we got so many calls and there were a lot of passionate fans. You know how it is, Dan. I do. We decided to let everyone have a a crack at it. We're going to get to that Fordham thing momentarily, but we should mention a few other things before we get there. Yeah. What what happens? What happens? Nebraska has fired Bo Pelini. Oh, 
They have indeed fired Bo Pelini. Um, not a huge surprise if you are looking at it strictly from an interpersonal perspective. A bit of a surprise if you're looking at it from a football one. He has been consistently very good, but not great at Nebraska. And it appears, this is just a guess, that if you are going to fire a coach who is very good, but not cracking through any sort of ceiling, that you have somebody that you enthusiastically believe to be better lined up. That That's would, what it that appears. That would seem to be a logical course of action. Yes. Um how long was he there? Seven years? Yeah, he's been there a while. Seven and a half million dollar buyout means that they are confident that there is no way that they can move forward with him in earnest. Seven and a half million dollars is not an insignificant amount. It's not an insignificant amount. And if you remember last time there was a vacancy at Nebraska. Right. It wasn't exactly like people were lining up for that gig. I'm not going to say I'm not saying it's a bad job. Oh, it's a very good job. It's a a good job, but it just didn't seem as if last time around Nebraska had its pick of the litter. Now, some of the names that you might find if you wander around the Twitter sphere, I saw Bruce Feldman mention something about Scott Frost. Yep. Oregon offensive coordinator. Yep, Yep. Former quarterback at Nebraska. He's obviously been pretty close with the whole Oregon movement and Chip Kelly and now Mark Helfrich. So Mm -hmm. He would seem like an interesting name. What do you think about our boy Lane Kiffin? I don't think anything. I think it, it is <laughs> far on, too Dan, soon. It'd be, it'd be fun. It would be fun. It is not happening. Anybody? Any other names? I saw someone mention that uh, Eddie O should get a look. Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron will not get a look from Nebraska. I, I would imagine <laughs> Tom Herman, the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, there are there are strong rumors. The other. Uh, Offensive coordinator who has garnered a lot of attention is Chad Morris, but there are a number of rumors about him and SMU after the season that they're close to finalizing things, but who knows because you're not going to believe this tie, but rumors and especially coaching and administrative rumors that come out of the state of Texas, not always to be trusted. Don't always come to fruition. A bit shocking. Really? I know really who could have seen that coming. Uh, Nebraska is a very good job. It's an interesting job because they're not in the big 12 anymore and they could have, they had the opportunity to recruit Texas a lot more when they were in the big 12. Now as a big 10 school, they should be able to win. They should be able to attract enough talent. It is still a reasonable enough national brand that they should attract coaching and player talent. And why shouldn't you be able to win eight to 10 games in the big 10 every year? I don't have good reason. The only other coaching tidbit is that Kentucky's offensive coordinator, Neil Brown, Mm-hmm. Is going to be the next head coach at Troy. We don't exactly no! cover, right? We don't cover a whole lot of Troy football in the solid right. verbal, but um, that was something that came across the wire. You're going to start hearing all sorts of news on the coaching front in the next yeah. few weeks, and I don't even have the coaching carousel sound queued up on the soundboard yet, but I'm going to get that in place in time for our show on Wednesday. It's quite haunting, if I remember correctly. There's a dinosaur in there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like why a carna- shouldn't there be a carnival sound we used to use that sound when we actually interviewed coaches yes and since we haven't done that in a while now we're just using it to talk about coaches getting fired i'm fine with that a crazy week of college football dan mm-hmm. who is your top four one alabama two oregon three florida state four generic big 12 pick um I personally, in watching their games, feel like TCU is a better team than Baylor by a very slim margin. 
especially after last night, I'm less and less enthused about Baylor's defense and ability to put away teams week in and week out. But again, you know, TCU barely got by Kansas. So who's to say either team has a case of being in and a case of being upset um, with the JT Barrett injury. Yeah. I personally, a person not on the selection committee, um, but somebody quite interested in the playoff, I would need, we would need to see like a 42 to 20 win from Cardale Jones and Ohio state over Wisconsin. Otherwise it's really difficult to say Ohio state with Cardale Jones is definitely a top four team. And that's, that's the heartbreaking aspect beyond the actual personal heartbreaking aspect of JT Barrett getting hurt in their game against Michigan. That's what is sort of feeling the most realistic and attractive when you look at January 1st and who has that combination of best and deserving. We'll come back to this momentarily. Yes. When we who talk, are you for? Talk a little bit more about the Big 12. Uh, well, look, I mean, the top three, you know, you know about Alabama, you know, Oregon, you know, Florida State. The one that gets me, though, is that four spot between TCU and Baylor. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I, I like TCU more. However, Baylor beat them heads up. They did. They beat Three them heads points up. at home. They beat them heads up. What does Vegas consider to be a, a home spread, home advantage? Three, four, five, depending where right. you're playing. Somewhere in there. So Baylor won head to head. And this is what this is the important distinction. Whether it's Baylor, TCU, whether we're comparing two teams, no matter what. Head to head is a factor. It is not the factor. The selection committee has mapped this out. It is a factor. They weigh a number of things and head to head in which there is not a decisive victor, meaning somewhere between three, six, seven points in a closely fought battle. It doesn't mean everything, period. And and that's fine. But then why play the games at all? So we can eat things and have something to watch while we (laughs) eat things. Come on, Ty. Don't be an idiot. SEC. Five games in the SEC featuring conference matchups. Let's start with the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss at home wins by 14, 31, yes, 17. This was like every gambling rule rolled into one, Dan. You don't want to bet against the home dog. You don't want to bet against them in a rivalry game. You don't want to bet against them, you know, screwing everything up for an in-state rival when really it's all they've got left to play for. All that said, the Golden Egg goes to Ole Miss. Here was the quote from Dr. Bo Wallace after the game. Quote, I knew this game would define my legacy. I had to win this game to be remembered like I won. I hope they'll remember me as a guy who gave his all every single game and won a lot of games that he took this game very seriously, Dan. Oh, yeah, he did. As he should have. This was as Bo Wallace a game as we could have expected. Uh, Hobbled. Made huge throws, not particularly efficient, but made big plays when he needed to. Was able to to get a good spin on the ball, even with the the bum ankle, and really helped to will this team. He, along with Jalen Walton, Evan Ingram, as good a tight end in the second half of the season since Laquan Treadwell goes down, as we've seen probably, at least in the SEC, perhaps not even on a wider level. Um, and aren't you glad I gave you Mississippi State as my pick? I love Aren't it. you glad? I love Surest it. thing in college football. You picked against all that passion, Dan. I assume everybody listening to the show is listening on their Gulf streams. They're they're streaming via satellite with all of the money that I have made them. I have a friend, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, who may or may not have taken Ole Miss money line at plus two twenty here. Good. I'm happy to hear it. Um, and that's what that's where this you know it was a disappointing game for Mississippi State. I didn't like the play calling. I didn't like all of the. Uh, 
I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was Dak Prescott down the middle. Yeah. It was bad third down play calling, bad red zone play calling. The defense wasn't particularly good giving up the big plays that they did. And all of those criticisms aside, because now teams are finished. Most of the teams in the country are finished with their regular season schedules. What a God dang year for Mississippi state. Yeah. Really exceptional. What it was a, a what a ten win season. Ten win season, not for bad. the Bulldogs. Ten win season. A legitimate top six to seven quarterback in the country. Playmakers everywhere stepping up. Really fun to see Mississippi State in the most difficult division in college football. Really having that breakout season, which I think a lot of people thought that they would take a big step forward this year with all the experience returning. But the fact that they fulfilled, if not exceeded, expectations for a big year. Really cool to see. It is cool to see it it stinks for them that now, you know, barring any funny business from the playoff committee or just a ton of upsets, it stinks that they're probably out of the playoff picture because they were a fun team to watch. But I thought Ole Miss had a really good game plan. They took away his legs. They literally tried to. Yeah, there was a a dirty cheap hit late from uh, from what's his name? Uh, Falston. You heard heard about all that passion, Dan. Yes, that's true. They took away Dak Prescott's legs. They forced him to throw. And they just weren't the same team when they didn't have Dak as a uh, as runner. So, again, your final here, 31-17, a nice way for Ole Miss to close out its regular season. The SEC officially, almost assuredly, not getting two teams in the playoffs. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Secondly, in mm. the SEC, the Iron Bowl. Is this a new game? Alabama, 55, Auburn, 44. It was the highest scoring Iron Bowl in history. 99 total points, Dan. Yeah. In an homage to great SEC defenses of the past. Yes. 99 total points here. And it was a fun way to close out tonight. As you tweeted out, much more fun than that nine to six barn burner from a couple years ago with Alabama oh, and LSU. Was, this was great. A lot of points, a lot of big plays. Blake Sims from Alabama had a rough go of it early on through three early interceptions almost looked Mm -hmm. like he was going to get benched in favor of Jake Coker who was warming up yeah he was warming up but then he starts finding Amari Cooper and Amari Cooper is like a cut above everybody in terms of receivers even in terms of defenders he had a huge night 13 catches 224 yards three touchdowns good on both offenses here they both played out of their minds Auburn played really solidly as well on the offensive side, but they just settled for too many field goals instead of touchdowns when it came right down to it. Yeah. What was the run that uh, Alabama went on in the second half? It was something like a 30 was with 34 with the three, something crazy like that. Um, It was a fantastic first half from Auburn. The receivers, Sammy Coates. Can we just say his name and just reflect upon his first half? and how ridiculous he was and how great he was against an Alabama secondary that frankly they tightened up. They tightened the screws in the second half, but wow, that first half from Auburn was as efficient and as slicing a performance as we've seen on offense this season. And to their credit to really Blake Sims's credit to Lane Kiffin's credit, they changed the routes. They realized that they could go over the top because Auburn's pass defense, as you've noted, if you've watched Auburn football at all this season, not good, exploitable. And that's exactly what Alabama did. Also should be noted that TJ Eldon looked a lot healthier than he has yep. in weeks past. And they, they really rode him late in this game. Derrick Henry busted out. I mean, punctuation runs, but really demoralizing, demoralizing runs and Alabama 
if they can avoid and make, I don't know if it's quicker adjustments on both sides of the ball. I mean, if you make good halftime adjustments, you're going to win a lot more often than not. Uh, Blake Sims needs to be very careful about telegraphing some of the shorter throws uh, early on. But beyond that, there's a ton to like about what this Alabama team turned into yeah. under the lights at, uh, at Brian Denny. What what fascinates me about that Alabama run game is both Yeldon and Henry. When someone makes contact with them, it's just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's never anyone hanging on their leg and they're right. being dragged to the ground. It's always some guy trying to put a shoulder into them or trying mm-hmm. to grab an arm and right. them shrugging it off as if it's no thang. I'm not fully comfortable with your pronunciation of thang. I'm trying to emphasize this. <laughs> I know. Let's rekindle that question from yesteryear. Remember when we asked whether Trent Richardson running at full speed, if he put his shoulder down into like a horse, mm-hmm. if he could knock over the horse and or kill the horse? College Trent Richardson, correct. College Trent. Yeah. yeah. Not, clearly not the current Trent Richardson. No, it's more of a Shetland question for pro. But I mean, Trent seriously, Richardson. Derek Henry, just incredible when he's running the ball. No one can bring this guy down. I've been working on an impersonation of inside linebackers upon noticing that either Derek Henry or Jalston Fowler are getting a handoff. Would you like to hear it? Please, please. Just this is what's in their brain as they are saying, okay, this is going to be handoff to Derek Henry or Jalston Fowler. Uh... Uh, oh. There it is. That's the full impression. Thank You're you. You're like a young Frank Caliendo, Dan. Thank you. I really, I've been crafting that. The Juilliard days really paid off. Yeah. Anyway, Alabama wins the Iron Bowl 55 44. The other big game of note in the SEC was Missouri 21, yep. Arkansas 14. Once again, those Tigers, they find a way to get things done. If you watch the first half of this game at all, it looked as if Mizzou was toast. Then in the second half, they hold the Hogs scoreless. They end up outgaining yeah. Arkansas by a 423 to 288 margin. By virtue of this victory now, Missouri heads to Atlanta. They will play Alabama in the SEC title game. What are you feeling in terms of upset potential here? Missouri plays the type of game. If Maddie Mock has an average game, they've got two good running backs, a decent offensive line that's gotten better over the course of the season, a filthy, filthy defense that can give anybody trouble no matter what they try to do. You look at specifically the two types of teams that have given Alabama the most trouble this season, uh, the two teams, Arkansas and LSU. They are the teams that can tackle in space, that can rush the passer, that can confuse the passer, and that they themselves can play at times at a high level without making mistakes, not necessarily with dynamic offenses and creativity, which Missouri can show at times with both Jimmy Hunt and Bud Sasser outside and the combination of Hansborough and Murphy in the backfield. But it's they're one of those teams that is so disciplined defensively that they make you out-scheme them every play because you are not going to outrun them. You are not going to outblock them. You are not going to out, as ESPN people like to say, physical them. Out-physical? Yes. No. Yeah, they like to pin their ears back, Missouri. <laughs> dial it, they dial it up. They pin their ears back. The game rests on, not surprisingly, Matty Mock. So once again, it's Missouri and an Iron Bowl team in Atlanta for the SEC championship. I, whew, I can't I, I, go. I can't go against Alabama here. It's very difficult. It is very difficult to do so. Um, but whatever the line ends up being, let's call it, you know, six and a half, seven and a half, whatever it is. I have no problem taking those points. I see it at 10 and a half. 
Okay. Let's stick with 10 and a half. That okay. feels about right to me. I have no problem taking those points. The other games involving SEC conference opponents. Yes. Tennessee got That's a pleonasm, by the way. That's right. Tennessee got bowl eligible with a seven-point win against Vandy. And uh, LSU knocked off A&M 23 to 17. It was a big night on the ground for LSU. And especially any thoughts about that? Leonard Fournette. No, yes. not really. I mean, I'm sort of done watching LSU for the year. I'm so frustrated trying to watch this team to figure out what they are. Because there are some games like this where they look really solid and together. And then Anthony re- Jennings certainly looked better. Yeah. Well, he looked better on the ground. They still can't throw the ball. Right. And it's just frustrating for me to watch because I know there's talent there and I know this team should be better than it played this year. They'll probably go 10 and 2, 11 and 1 next year. But this season's just been too frustrating. Um, even this game, you look at what they did, very impressive on the ground. Then you realize they played AM and you don't know where to put that victory. Right. Um, the ACC then mm-hmm. must have missed the memo about how the SEC is a superior conference because there were a couple games, four in particular. At in, least the S- the ACC these. That's right. Yeah. The ACC had uh, some crossover here with the SEC, and the big mm-hmm. game that most paid attention to was Florida State, Florida. Florida State comes away. They win by five, 24-19. Mm-hmm. Fair to say this was the ugliest game we saw from Florida State all year? Certainly from Jameis Winston. Um, it Florida is a team that, I mean, how many offensive touchdowns did Florida score? One? One. I believe. Yeah, yeah it was the, it it was was the Clay Burton touchdown. Yeah. No. Um, I would say it has to, I feel with Florida's talent level, there's something to be said for uh, what they did, but a couple of, two or three of those Jameis Winston picks, and I'm saying of those because he threw four, we're on him. It wasn't necessarily Florida jumping around or whatever. It was it was really just a mistake that Florida took advantage of wisely. Florida left a ton on the field. Yeah. Uh, they were mistake-ridden. They Treon Harris missed a lot. Um, so the fact that Treon Harris was so average and this team was still in it until the end really is a, a bad sign for Florida State, but it's really nothing too new. I would say... It was probably because Florida State's offense is, as Jameis Winston goes, for the most part, probably their worst performance yeah. offensively. I did like the uh, the uh, what's it the emergence of Dalvin Cook even more. He, he really, with Carlos Williams going down hurt and Mario yeah. Pender really not seeing any at real action. Dalvin Cook shouldered so much of the second half and paced this team to the win. I just, it's not that fun. I, it's not that we dislike Florida state to such an extreme extent. I think we just like watching good teams play well and Florida state doesn't do it. Here's why it's unfair to Florida state. Everyone wants to compare this Florida state team to last year's last year's team was unstoppable. You can watch 12 though. You could watch In game any number 12. We're still comparing to last year. I think there's a tendency to do that because Florida All state right. was so dominant last year. They're, their key player, their Heisman Trophy winner is still their quarterback. There's, a, it, lo- there's a lot of overlap there. I think the tendency is to try and compare them to last year's team. And it's not the same team. Whereas last year's team would go out there and beat you by 50, regardless of who you were. This year's team plays a little bit more down to its competition. Florida State is now comfortable in this role where they're not necessarily blowing teams out, but they know they're good enough to win. They were as composed as any team I've ever seen in the fourth quarter. No one was flustered. They weren't making dumb mistakes like Florida was. 
But who gets flustered against Florida? Well, <laughs> that's a separate topic yeah. altogether. But this is a team that was very composed. They knew they had it in the bag. Even though watching at home, it was like, oh, my God, Florida might actually have a shot here. There is a reason Florida State's unbeaten. There are no other unbeaten teams in college football. And you can say whatever you want about their record. There are no other teams right now with the Marshall loss in FBS that are undefeated. It's hard Mm -hmm. to do. It's really hard to go 28-0. Yeah, I think it's I don't I don't think people are comparing that much anymore. I think the the story on Florida State is that they are they play close games and to the they beat significantly less talented teams by unimpressive margins and they're oh. good enough to control games late. But I, I really don't, I just don't hear lots of people talking about last year's Florida state team anymore. Well, let, let's put it this way. Then let me rephrase. Yeah. If you don't hear a lot of people comparing 2014 to 2013, you sure as hell find a lot of people calling Florida state lucky. Sure. I don't agree with that assessment. I don't agree that this is a lucky team. They've gotten some breaks, but Ultimately, to win as many close games as they have, that shows some amount of fortitude. This isn't all luck. I wouldn't say they're lucky. I would say they're sloppy. They've been sloppy in spots for sure, but they're good enough to outlast that sloppiness. I, I, in spots, I, I'm finding fewer weeks that they weren't sloppy than they were on the schedule. They're still winning games. Yeah, no, they are. They definitely are. Yeah, but they're winning it in sloppy ways. That brings us then to the Georgia Tech Georgia game. Georgia Tech wins 30 to 24 in overtime. This is secretly maybe the best game of the day. It was, well, yes. There was an awesome fake field goal by Georgia, then a weird pooch kick. That, <laughs> I don't know what the hell Georgia was oh, doing. Oh, God, that was dumb. But Georgia Tech got uh, uh, an onside kick they didn't intend to get. Their special teams were special. That's right. Yeah. There was a 53 yard field goal at the gun to tie it at 24 a blocked extra point that made it look as if Georgia had the upper hand mm-hmm. and then just a terrible interception, a terrible throw by yeah. Hudson Mason to end the game. The governor's cup goes back to Atlanta, goes to Georgia tech, Georgia tech now goes to Charlotte next week for a crack at Florida state in the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. This to me is an interesting game because I can sing the praises of Florida state all I want. Right. But strange things happen when you play a team like Georgia Tech and they've got that weird nuanced offense. You've yeah. got a short week to prepare for it and you just never really know what's going to happen if if and you're going to love this Georgia Tech gets up early and takes the air out of the ball. <laughs> Take the air out of that ball, Tech. I, I feel like there will be very little in the way of air in the ball. No. Uh, when Georgia Tech has it. Uh, yeah. Who wants to play against uh, a flex bone team like Georgia Tech at this point? Not a ton of teams. Florida State can be had on the ground. Georgia Tech can hold on to the ball, especially with how the steam engine, and I mean that in a sort of a runaway fashion, that is Zach Lasky for Georgia Tech. Their defense has improved over the course of the season. They didn't always take advantage of, of Georgia mistakes yesterday, but this is a George, Georgia Tech team that has improved over the course of the season, and they're going to be, what are they going to be ranked, 12 or something yeah. going into this game now? Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any any rankings of late, but Florida State has a legitimate, without a doubt, scary top 15 team on a neutral site field. It's going to be, at the very least, a fun game for a good chunk of it, it feels like. We got a tweet, by the way, requesting that we refer to Zach Lasky as Professor Lasky. (laughs) This was a very convoluted tweet, but yeah, 
after Saved by the Bell, the college years? The college years back in like uh, the early 90s. I could go with Professor Lasky. I'm good with that. Well, Georgia Tech, also rigorous academic institution. This is very true. Be interesting to see what happens in that game. Um, all right. Other triumphs for the ACC. Clemson 35, South Carolina Clemson. 17. Uh, the battle battle for the Palmetto State mm-hmm. goes to the Clemson Tigers. The fun fact here, Deshaun Watson played this game on a torn ACL. Well, he has plenty of, if he, I'm assuming, going to go under the knife. You don't always need surgery on a torn ACL, depending where true. it's at or how bad it is. You hear torn ACL, you hear Deshaun Watson, your right. heart kind of sinks because he's a dynamic, true freshman. He's already had his battles with injury so far this year you hear torn acl you think the worst i'm thinking if they allowed him to play it cannot be that horrible and he may not actually need to go under the knife but i haven't done the full research and reading on this to know exactly where he stands if south or if clemson wants to have a quarterback who can cut and run a dynamic offense i would probably recommend letting that or somehow figuring out a way for that acl to heal in the most thorough safe way possible i was hoping you weren't going to say they should start cole stout no, okay. I think I think right. the time for Cole Stout was that his he's a senior, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's, he's he's done for. Um, Clemson really, depending on what happens with Chad Morris and him moving on per, potentially to uh, to SMU, two very very good young receivers and Artavis Scott and Mike Williams. Um, the the running game finally looked really really good. I mean, South Carolina is not all that good, but. Uh, Finally, good win in this rivalry for Dabo. They needed this. South Carolina having a down year would really would have put a a, a stink onto their their yeah. year if they lose to a, a really average South Carolina team who finishes the year six and six. But hey, Texas A&M killed the six and six team. That's so right. doesn't that feel that feels like a year ago? Oh where my we God. freaked out about that game. I was like, ooh, <laughs> Kenny Hill's Heisman odds are like well, they're like thirty to one now. What? You might as well get on it early because they're only going up. I still remember it was like week four. And um, I had looked at like Clay Travis's rankings is like SEC power rankings mm-hmm. and A&M was number two. And like at that point in time, I didn't have any real evidence to suggest that he was wrong. Nobody did. I just I just remembered looking at it thinking, wow, that's like really unexpected. Could yeah. this be? And then uh, it actually wasn't at all as A&M kind of came back down to earth. But yeah, feels like an eternity ago. You know what else feels like an eternity ago? When Kentucky stank. Yeah. At football. Yeah. There's some danger to Kentucky. Now they lost. They lost yes. to Louisville. This was uh, an interesting game from the get go because there was that little melee at midfield where Kentucky was stomping on the bird, you know, mm, Bobby yeah, Petrino gotta, got in there. Yeah. With a Kentucky assistant. Yep. No greater role model for America's youth than Bobby <laughs> Petrino. True. But the nice nine in season for him, nonetheless, Louisville wins 44 to 40. Good sign. True freshman quarterback. I believe he's a true freshman quarterback for Louisville. Throws for almost 400 yards. Devontae Parker, so good. Puts up almost 200 yards. They weren't able to run the ball all that well, but defensively, they get another pick. I think it was the 37th on the season for Gerard, Hol- Gerard, Gerard Holloman, excuse me. Um, and they win a big rivalry game. And the defense wasn't fantastic against Kentucky, but for being in the first season for, for having to, to transition away from Charlie strong and the, the, uh, the level of success that he had in the, in the John, in yeah. the Papa John, I'll go with that. John, let's go with the John. Uh, it is, it is quite an encouraging sign, especially if, uh, 
if they're able to build and recruit upon everything that has happened, uh, they're able to keep the staff together. Todd Grantham, of course, a lot more good than, than otherwise in his first season. Uh, very encouraged by Louisville's first season with Petrino. NC State moves to a quiet 7-5 and five by beating UNC. Boston College moves to 7-5 and five beating Syracuse. Virginia Tech gets bowl eligible. This was actually a fun game. Good for NC State, by the way. Yeah. That is a definitive giant step forward coming Dave off Durin. of last season. Dave Dorn takes the step forward. They, I think they win three of their last four. I mean, it's it's Wake and Syracuse and North Carolina, but decisively beating North Carolina. Uh, I'm, I'm really encouraged and eager to see what uh, they're able to do in Raleigh moving forward. Uh, Tech is bowl eligible. They knock off Virginia. Duke knocks off Wake 41-21. Mm-hmm. We'll see where they're headed. Nine win Duke. Nine win Duke. Pitt wins. They're also bowl eligible after knocking off Miami 35-23. This all, of course, means that 11 of 14 ACC teams are bowl eligible. A lot of six and six and seven and five. Yeah, in I was going to say, it's, it's not like, it's basically my Thanksgiving as opposed to your Thanksgiving. Like, right. Yeah, it checks out every, you know, there was a buffet. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Good. It's people fine. are making money in a time when not a lot of people make money in college athletics. So good for the ACC. Good for the ACC. Let's move on. Let's go to the Big 12. Um, let me let me run through these games very quickly. And then I want to talk about implications. Mm. We, we addressed it a little bit at the top. Will of the you show. play your your, uh, your hypothetical sound when we talk about implications? I will do that. Of course. Good. Baylor 48, Texas Tech 46. Couple talking points here. I, I will start at the top. The Bears had a 25-point lead mm-hmm. midway through the third quarter and promptly gave most of it back, at which point they were outscored 31-6 to in the final 20 minutes of the game, mm-hmm. finally got a defensive stop when they needed it most on like a two-point conversion attempt that would have tied it at 48. Right. So this was not exactly smooth sailing for the Bears in the second half. We do need to mention this. Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech... 598 yards and six touchdowns in a losing effort. Right. Secondly, Bryce Petty nearly decapitated in this game. Oh, left early, had a mild concussion midway through the third. That coincides nicely with Texas Tech going on its run. Seth Russell came in. He filled in, was okay, wasn't nearly as effective. This is now going to be something to watch as Baylor has a huge one next week against Kansas State. K-State won big in the Sunflower Showdown over Kansas. You kind of couple that now with the boat racing we saw by TCU, 48-10 at Texas. They were impressive defensively. They forced six turnovers. Five came from Tyrone Swoops. They looked really, really good on the road, Dan. The significance in all of this, as we mentioned at the top of the show, and I'll play it now. Implications. Implications. There's an open spot in the college football playoff. Yeah. An open do you think, spot. What, do you think if I applied, I could? <laughs> could it be? Could it be Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Dan? If you really want to get hypothetical. I have, I have really solid references. My mom, my seventh grade math teacher, um, Spencer Hall, my boss at SB Nation. Um, 
there's a, a sandwich place right by me and the, I'm pretty sure they know me now. I'm pretty sure they under like, I really like this one sandwich and they, they're always like, yeah, we got you. Interestingly enough, that sandwich place by you is also on Baylor's resume. <laughs> is it? I, they were actually, they did look sweaty. They went there in September or no, the sandwich shop came to them in September. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, there's no way Baylor's coming to Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my God. So many hypotheticals. Um, I was going to say, who's the playoff if Bama, Oregon, Florida State, and Ohio State lose next weekend? I'm going to look at the rankings. Well, first of all, can I, I have some thoughts about yeah, the Big go, 12 go. action. Let's talk about yesterday. the Big 12 first. Um, Implication-wise, TCU looked very strong. Offensively, they missed a couple of the skill position guys that, have, that are beat up, but um, they did enough on offense. I think Texas had three points through three quarters. Yeah. That's not bad. Even though Texas isn't great, they're improved. Uh, when you start comparing resumes, suddenly TCU against Texas is better. Uh, TCU against Texas Tech is certainly better. Texas Tech didn't just keep up with Baylor. Texas Tech put up 700 dang yards. Texas Tech moved the ball almost a half mile against Baylor. That is not the most encouraging sign when for a, a good chunk of the season, we were told, no, Baylor's defense, it might actually be better than their offense. I my reaction to that is now I politely disagree. Mm. The lot of hinges on on Bryce Petty and his health moving forward. They called it a mild concussion. Uh, such a term I don't believe is actually accurate. You either have a concussion or you don't. Um, aside from that, yeah, Kansas State Baylor is going to be everything next week. Um, well, it if, is, and and you know, there's been a lot of speculation that Baylor is going to jump TCU with the Kansas State win. Yeah, with the with the win next week, they would jump TCU. Totally fine with that. The question, though, is whether or not they're going to be without Bryce Petty, mm-hmm. and based on how hard he got hit, it might be a big assumption to just say he's going to play. If he plays, and if they win, mm-hmm. I think I'd be fine with Baylor jumping TCU. The problem I have, though, and again, I come back to this, I just don't have a strong enough opinion on where I stand with the whole head-to-head thing. Right. Baylor won. Baylor mm-hmm. won. They came from behind. TCU blew it. It wasn't a decisive win, but it was mm-hmm. impressive that Baylor came from behind and won 61-58. That, to me, should stand for something. That should, should, again, mm-hmm. should count for more than all of the eye tests and the advanced metrics and all that other stuff. It should matter if you play a team and if you beat them heads up. That should be the tiebreaker if you're both in the running for this thing. Okay. So doomsday scenario. And we haven't even gotten to the PAC 12 or big 10 yet. Right. Talking about their games, but, and I guess this would be a good way to sort of transition into them. Arizona will be playing Oregon in the PAC 12 championship game. Yeah. After looking quite impressive against Arizona state to beat up Arizona state, but let's, you know, that's what you should do. Arizona's look good two weeks in a row now, 10 and two. They will be a top 10 pick. Yep. Um, a top 10 pick, a top 10 team with the new rankings. They, you know, Georgia, UCLA will both fall out of the top 10. I could see them jumping Michigan state because now you have two 10 and two teams and their best common opponent is Oregon. Arizona has the win. Michigan state does not. I could see that happening potentially where we've now cemented Arizona and believe in Arizona as a top 10 team. Do we agree? Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll go with that. If Baylor were to win, they finished the season 11 and one. Let's hope for a decisive win against Kansas State to make it a little bit easier. Um, but if Baylor, Oregon, Alabama, and Florida State all lose, you have a two-loss Mississippi State that'll hang around the top 10 somewhere in there. Um, you have Ohio State 
losing. I have Ohio State losing. If we have Ohio State losing to Wisconsin, which certainly with their own rush defense and combination with a new quarterback coming in, and we've seen Urban Meyer succeed working at a new quarterback, but it takes a couple weeks. And Cardale Jones, not a dual threat like JT Barrett, uh, which is what that offense is primarily built for. Arizona State with two wins over Oregon, one on the road, one on a neutral site. Arizona, you mean? Excuse me, Arizona. Are they different schools? Um, Two wins over Oregon, one neutral site, one road. I don't know how you don't include them in a top group. Maybe they're fifth or sixth, but they're in that conversation. You can't put Oregon in front of Arizona at that point if Arizona knocks them off twice. Right. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I think at that point, if everyone loses, I still think Bama finds a way to squeak squeak a, a spot out. With a worse loss? than Oregon or Florida state. Yeah. Cause Missouri at the, at the time we're recording, this is ranked beneath Georgia tech and beneath Arizona. But after that, like if I assume Alabama and if I assume Arizona, if Baylor wins, I would have Baylor in there. TCU, I guess would squeak its way into God, two big 12 teams. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit revolted. I would have Arizona and Oregon in there before I would have TCU and Baylor. Would you have would you have a two loss Oregon team in over a one loss Baylor? I think Oregon's better than Baylor. Baylor has the worst loss. Yeah, although I think, I think I'd two, probably go Oregon. Team. Oregon's better than Baylor. And Baylor has no non conference. Oregon beat Michigan State. Top well, they'll be a top fifteen team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I they might say top ten. Arizona just might jump them. Yeah. Wow. This is complicated. I'm not that smart. You took more. You must have taken more math classes in college than I did. I took a lot of math classes. Actually, I took one. I, I took precisely one. Let's go to the Pac-12, shall we? Why, let's just turn this into an FCS show. It's so much easier. Let's go to the Pac-12. Okay. <laughs> let's talk a little UCLA football, Dan. You. See. Let's yeah. talk about UCLA football. Hey. Yeah. Stanford 31, UCLA 10. 10, that's all they scored. 10. Yeah. How would you like to label this game, sir? How, how should we describe this one to our grandkids? I, oh, God, if I'm talking about this game to my grandchildren, I am. I have dementia. How should we describe this one? Was it a Clemsoning? What What was this? Uh, Yeah, there was, there was a seasoning of Clemsoning in there. I would say it's just a letdown game, and it's pretty typical of a, a Jim Mora-led UCLA team that they cannot consistently keep up a high level. They cannot. It was one of those things when you saw like the eye black smeared all over their faces. You see up that big rivalry game against USC. Like I think US, I think UCLA genuinely believes this is their final game of the season. <laughs> I think they really, they, they got a, somebody made a bad Xerox of their schedule and hung it up in the locker room. It's funny because when I looked at the schedule, I thought it was their last game of the season. Did you? Okay. And it was yeah. one of those things. Yeah. Uh, UCLA has now lost four times to Stanford in three years. <laughs> It's a little, that's many times. I don't know. I'm laughing. I'm giggling like a schoolgirl. Um, this game was ridiculous. Yeah. I, I would say it's actually on a certain level. It should also be pretty frustrating to Stanford fans. It took Kevin Hogan like 12 games to play like Kevin Hogan. Like he's like, oh, that's what you wanted me to do. Oh. 16 of 19 for 234 and two touchdowns. And he actually looked better than the stats would indicate. He was Exceptionally really, good. really solid. Yeah. In this game. And, you know, now UCLA loses. That means that Arizona, by virtue of their win, mm-hmm. is going to the Pac-12 title game in San yeah. Francisco, Santa Clara. Yeah, it's at Levi Stadium. The Wildcats win the Territorial Cup by a 
42 to 35 score. A, a nice win for Rich Rod, as someone said on Twitter, and I, I forget who it was, but basically this is what happens when rich, horrible men don't mess with Rich Rod mm, and just true. let him do his thing. There are certain things to blame Rich Rod for at Michigan, though, at the same time, but yes. In general. Yeah. You understand the gist of that. Nick Wilson rushes for 178, three Ooh. touchdowns. An interesting subplot, actually, for Arizona State. Todd Graham gives Taylor Kelly the hook in favor of yeah. my man. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of his last name? Mike Berkovici. Yeah. My man. Well, he's, from, he's from Calabasas. Yeah. Um, he looked good until he didn't, like yeah. right at the very end. Yeah. And um, as Berkovici said, quote, it's the ultimate bitter taste in our mouths and it's going to last the rest of our lives. So, again, it's going to take uh, Mike a little bit, maybe send someone over to his dorm room, make sure he's yeah. doing all right. Yeah. Not a great uh, way for them to lose. Close game. Good game. Territorial Cup goes to Tucson. How do you feel as an Oregon fan? Because Oregon rolled one up on Oregon State in the Civil War, 47-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got a rematch now. We do. In Levi's Stadium next Saturday night. We do indeed. Uh, Arizona's really good especially considering what they lost last season, losing BJ Denker, who really, he was good. He only got a year to start. They've had the rotating carousel of quarterbacks under Rich Rod. He just seems to get senior after senior Matt Scott uh, the year before that. Um, I am, and (sighs) I knew Solomon's has the ability to be very good against good teams. We've seen that from him. He also has laid eggs against good teams and he is still a little bit beat up. It was ankle or foot injury going into this game. Uh, Samaji Grant was good in this game, but I was arrested for a suspicion of DUI last night. Nice. And the most important thing that really should be every headline with as good as Rich Rod's offense has been good as, as good as Nick Wilson, when healthy has been this season, Scooby Wright is the danger. Scooby Wright is, I walk down the streets and I look over my shoulder worried about Scooby Wright. And a lot of that has to do with what he did against Marcus Mariota at the end of their game against Oregon and Eugene. But much of that has to do with he earns everything he has in backfields. He is so good at that weird linebacking hybrid position that the 335 employs. I, the 335 seems like it's the challenge for Oregon's offense and Marcus Mariota. And obviously they've shifted a lot of things, it seems like, since that game in terms of how they've looked at their own offensive line, dealing with health issues and how they sort of just play in general. But that three, three, five is unique and Oregon with all sorts of speed all over the field for Arizona has struggled with it. Arizona's speed does match up particularly well. I think Oregon will win by at least a couple touchdowns because, and if healthy, they, they got a little bit beat up against Oregon state. If the offensive line gets to a place or maintains the place that they've been in blocking for Royce Freeman and Royce Freeman continues to roll like he's been rolling. It's so difficult to, to stay honest to Oregon's run game and give Mariota time. It really, really is. But Arizona is, they are the, they are the matchup problem at this point for Oregon. And uh, I'm curious to see what they're able to do. In other PAC 12 news, we mentioned yeah. that Oregon rolled one up on Oregon state. I, do you have anything to add on this game? It wasn't really in doubt. 30 to three at halftime. Marcus Mariota, another solid performance. Is there, is there anything here that you'd like to add about this game? He threw for 367 yards and he completed 19 of 25. So what is that? Just a shade under 80%. Yeah. yeah he's good. 367, nearly 80% and four touchdowns. Um, 
adding a, a long touchdown run, I would say more than solid because he is your Heisman Trophy winner. He, he's probably your Heisman Trophy winner yeah. on the season. 68.6% completion percentage, 36 yeah. touchdowns, just two interceptions. You will be seeing him in New York for the Heisman. You're going to be seeing him on an NFL roster next year. He might be the first quarterback yeah. um, off the board. Let me go elsewhere in the Pac-12 quickly because we've got one whole conference to get through here as we mm-hmm. run short on time. Right. Uh, Utah ekes one out over Colorado. Washington wins the Apple Cup and its eighth game of the season, which has been very quiet, but still good on Chris Peterson. Not not quiet to quarterback sacked by (laughs) I forget. I'm not even going to attempt his first name. Yeah, him. Yeah. Cal loses at home to BYU. They miss out on a bowl game. Yeah. And uh, there one there was one other game featuring everything. Pac-12 team. (laughs) USC. USC. Yeah. Eight win Sark. 49 to 14 over my Notre Dame fighting Irish. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Mm. This game was over before it started. Yeah. USC led 35, nothing at one point in the second quarter. Everett Golson got benched in the first half. So we saw a little, my man Malik Zaire. Notre Dame's pretty much mailed it in Their Their defense is almost entirely on the shelf right now. Right. You don't really want to use that as an excuse. It yeah. They shouldn't play football if they don't want to be injured. It did. Right. It didn't help that half their guys on defense are injured. Right. But still, this was this was pretty bad. The upshoot, if there is any for Notre Dame, is that we saw a little Malik Zaire. Greg Bryant mm-hmm. looked good. Um, and, you know, Brian Kelly probably sent the applications in really early to the pinstripe and belt bowls back in like early November. So at least they're not procrastinating with the bowl thing. Right. Let's talk about Cody Kessler instead of Notre Dame. Uh, okay. Finishes the season completing nearly 71% of his passes. That's good. 36 touchdowns, four interceptions. He has been really, really solid. And again, Nobody outside Southern California is really paying attention to it because USC isn't necessarily a team making a whole lot of noise in the Pac-12 or the national playoff scene. He's just been really solid, steady as she goes throughout the course of the year. Mm -hmm. If people aren't talking about Cody Kessler as a pro prospect yet, they will shortly because he has just been about as solid as anyone this season. A great year for him. Very good year for Cody Kessler. Wish he would play better in big games. Mm, that yeah. is, you know, against the, the loss to UCLA. It wasn't Cody Kessler in a losing effort. That's not what it was. Fittingly against Arizona, it was not Cody Kessler in a losing effort. Um, against Utah, he was good, but, you know, the, the the game ending drive wasn't great. It was, he was good against Boston College. That was the, the in a losing effort game. But, he was, you know, the Stanford game and Stanford's defense looked very good all season long, but in a close game, it was not Cody Kessler winning that game for them. So it's, it's one of those things where he performed fantastically well against the pretty good, the okay and the below average teams on USC schedule and against the good teams. He wasn't great. He was fine. No. Uh, so uh, very good year for Cody Kessler, and I believe he's a junior. Yep. Should, by all accounts, be back next season. And with an increased health quotient for USC, I don't imagine Nelson Aguilar will be back. Right? He's no, a, I think he's probably he, he's gone. a junior. He'll be gone. But 
we would hope as people that like watching college football, that USC will be healthier. They will be deeper. They won't have to rely on two way players like they did with Adoree Jackson yesterday, who is an unbelievable athlete, but did get hurt. Um, we're hoping that we'll, we'll see an improved and even more dominant Cody Kessler. Who's back in the pac 12 quarterback wise. Mariota is gone. Siler miles is back. Uh, Jared Goff is back. I believe Kevin Hogan is done. Is Braxton Miller coming out there? Braxton Miller. There's all sorts of fun, ridiculous it's rumors about rumors. that. A new Solomon is back. Um, there's some interesting quarterbacks that'll be back in the Pac-12, and Cody Kessler looks to be the class of that group. Let's move to the Big Ten. I mentioned Braxton Miller. Mm-hmm. Ohio State won the game. They call it the game. Yeah. 42 to 28. It was a good football game for about three quarters. Unfortunately, it was overshadowed by the injury to JT Barrett. Now, if you didn't see it, Barrett got his leg pinned under a defender on a tackle. In doing so, he he broke his ankle. They put an air cast on his leg. Mm -hmm. They had to cart him off the field. He is now done for the year. So that means your new quarterback in Columbus is 6'5", 250 sophomore Cardale Jones, who is a monster. If you want to see something funny, go and look up the highlights of him just mauling a guy from Illinois. Yeah. on a turnover a couple weeks ago. He's more of a pocket passer. He's not quite the same player. He can run a bit, and he showed it in this game, mm-hmm. but that is not exactly his forte. No. I think if you look at this game as a whole, Ohio State's defense had a little bit of trouble, and you'd have to assume there's more trouble coming this week against a really good Wisconsin run game and a Wisconsin defense that's going to try and mix it up and confuse Cardale Jones You wonder now to what degree does the committee hold the injury against the Buckeyes? You'd think they'd almost have to, right? Yeah, they get one week of Cardale Jones having four quarters to impress them. That's the extent of what the injury will mean to the committee. Um, I will also, before I react to everything you said, react to the most important thing you said. You will refer to Illinois as bowl eligible. Oh, Illinois, the drive for sir. six. I was the getting the drive to that. for six has been completed. I have that uh, on the note sheet here. I was going to get uh, to that. Um, yes. Um, Ohio State's defense is average outside of Joey Bosa and Darren Lee. Darren Lee is lost in the attention of uh, of Bosa and some of the talent on their defensive line. He is as good a linebacker as there is in the Big Ten, if not beyond. I, I realize I said that same thing about Evan Ingram and the tight end position. I stand by it. Um, Ohio State's gonna have a lot of trouble stopping the run against Wisconsin. They are a not they're not disciplined on the ground. They overrun, they don't stay in their gaps, they have trouble tackling. It's they have six days to correct it, or four days to correct it, as you know, they're probably not gonna be doing much in the way of tackling on Friday. Um Ohio State's very good. They run the ball very well. Their defense makes plays later on in games sometimes, and Michigan was able to put together long drives with an offense and offensive line in particular that has not been good. Drake Johnson ran the ball effectively, at least in the beginning parts of the game, the first half, uh, Devin Gardner didn't look terrible. Wasn't crazy about the play calling, but it still sort of worked against this Ohio state defense. So I, I, I'm trying to find something to like about having a week of Cardale Jones to get ready for Wisconsin and making a strong case for the playoff. But I'm sort of grasping at this point. Wisconsin, by the way, won by 10 over Minnesota. Come back. The Gophers jumped out to an early lead. Wisconsin asserted itself on the ground Mm -hmm. and through the air. Another game without the yips for Joel Stave. Okay. Which is nice. Yeah. So Wisconsin moves on. As I look 
out across the internet, it looks as if Wisconsin is a three-point favorite. Makes I think that makes sense to that me. That makes sense to me, yeah. Uh, all right, elsewhere in the Big Ten, Michigan State just kills Penn State. Should have made this one my lock. I think the is line that a is, land grant trophy. Land grant trophy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska wins 37-34 over Iowa in overtime. Kind of a wild game to watch if you had a chance yep. to see that one. Bo Pelini's final game. Yep. Rutgers overcomes a 35 to 10 deficit in the second quarter and they win over Maryland 41-38. That was that was a choke of chokes. It was a horrible, horrible showing. Yeah. How good is Michigan State? How good? Yeah. They they sort of feel like the lost team at this point. They lost to the clear, the two clear top five or six teams that they played. So they're not there. But they uh, are they one of the best 10, 11, 12 teams in the country? Oh, uh, without question. Okay. Yeah, without question. They're solid, Dan. They're solid. They're like a poor man's Alabama. They're very balanced. They're very balanced. Um, who would you take Michigan State Baylor? Ooh. Michigan State Georgia. I would take Michigan State in both those matchups. Michigan State Arizona. Michigan State. Michigan State Auburn. Probably Michigan State again. This is the game that I think could be really Michigan State TCU. Ooh. Very similar. Very similar. Teams built from the defense out, but their offense has taken nice strides. TCU. Yeah, Michigan okay. State's very good. They're very okay. good. The problem is there are a lot of teams that are kind of in that in that meaty, like you don't want to put them in the top five, but you don't think they're worse than 15. So like right. five through 15, there's a lot of teams that I yeah. think could all beat each other. Michigan it's state probably belongs in there. Yeah. Um, Indiana beats Purdue 23, 16, Illinois. Let's give a, let's give a let's clap here. Ow. Round of applause. Illinois 47, 33, the drive for six now completely drive are headed six. to a bowl. Uh, Jerry Palm, I saw, has them in the heart of Dallas Bowl against Marshall, where they'll probably get annihilated. Yeah, probably. Is Tim Beckman now not getting fired? I have no idea. You can't <laughs> fire him. He made a bowl, right? He made a bowl. They they go, what, three and five? Yeah. In the And did they not beat Minnesota? Yeah. They beat Minnesota. Yeah. They make a bowl. I mean, look, it's a stride. It is a step in the right direction. Is it as dramatic a step? I don't honestly... I have not watched enough Illinois football this season to speak with any sort of clarity about their situation and how much better or worse or average they looked as the season went on or not. But it's a, there, there are more positive, more positives to take away from this Illinois season than what we've seen in a long time. There were wins on that Illinois schedule that felt like losses. If you watched them, yeah. like the Penn state game, I watched the Penn state game. No one should get a win for that game. That game was a disaster. But, Wait, so they, they beat Penn State. Yeah. They beat Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They beat Northwestern. Yep. Uh, who am I missing here? They beat, well, they, you just said they were going to lose to beat, they beat Marshall them. in a bowl game. They beat the team that just beat Marshall. They did. Um, I, I will believe Illinois beating Marshall when I see it. Absolutely. But all things considered, and this is, this has a lot to do with coaching, I would say. Illinois came out, they get killed by Washington, they get killed by Nebraska, they lose to Purdue at home, um, they lose a somewhat contested battle to Wisconsin, losing three straight to open up the Big Ten season, and yet they finish the season winning two out of three, including wins over a rival and Penn State. Yeah. That's pretty good. Not bad. And beating a team that was playing for the division the final week of the season in Minnesota. People are afraid of Riley O'Toole. 
O'Reilly O'Toole. All right. So look, we got to buy that shirt. We got, yeah, I would too. We got to close out on this here because we're running I don't long. think we do. Let's just do four hours. We could do four hours tonight. I have Ariana Grande thoughts. <laughs> so did you happen to watch the SEC network yesterday? <laughs> I did not see this, but I was alerted to it by, by about 400 people. Last evening, the network, the fine network known as the SEC network, mm-hmm. apparently unveiled something it was calling the Feinbaum Film Room Show. Okay. And what it is is basically Paul Feinbaum in a room with like five analysts taking live calls. This was the first show. The calls were supposed to be about the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. The very first call, we've pulled audio from that clip. This was the very first call that came into that show. Iron Have Bowl. a listen. James in Dothan, Alabama, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about Fordham football and uh, go Fordham, go Rams, go Bronx, New York. There yeah, you go. obviously. Uh, what do you guys think about the Fordham, uh, Fordham Rams? I have no idea. Can, uh, Fordham. Putting it together. Really I thought he was talking together. about a truck. <laughs> yeah, Ford Rams. I think he's talking about a, a Ram <laughs> truck. What, what truck do you think is better, Ford or Ram? Ram. Yeah, exactly. I thought he made one up on this. hit the wrong button. That was for the, that was for the NASCAR channel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in the same uh, we're in the same studio. Let's uh, we're obviously uh, going to continue with better callers, hopefully, uh, as we go throughout. The you show. bite your tongue, Mr. Feinbaum. Ha ha ha! Clowns, frauds, jokes. That guy was the greatest. You bite your tongue. That caller was the greatest. That's that's our friend. It's a verballer. So yeah, we got tweets about this, and we're like. Yeah, um, we had nothing to do with this. We don't know who did this. Zero. You tweeted out, if you were the caller, and if you are a verballer, please email us. Mm -hmm. We received a note from James. Mm. Like, three minutes after? Yeah, it was very quick. It was, in fact, a verballer. So we are are having a lasting impact on all things uh, college football. We We have the Buffalo Chicken. Yep. We have Fowler with his uh, admitting that he, it was a rather tumultuous breakup with the Kings of Comedy. He That's was right. the fifth. I mean, our our paw prints are all over everything. And I uh, couldn't be happier about a Fordham call. We didn't we didn't have anything to do with it. Now would also be the right time to mention that Mr. Feinbaum followed the Solid Rebel Twitter <laughs> account for approximately four hours. <laughs> it was I'm sure it was the greatest day of his life. And then unfollowed. You know what we put on the, the SEC network when all they wanted to talk about was the Iron Bowl? We've talked about their, their clowns in giant suits. Yeah. First call was about that stanky, dirty, sweaty, grimy, pert, supple drum and fife. And I love it. How about them Fordham Rams, baby? That heart's not so sacred anymore, is it, Ty? How about those Fordham Rams? Final score in the first round of the FCS playoffs. Fordham, 44. Sacred Heart, 22. That's right. The Rams doubled them up, Dan. Go home. Sacred. I don't know what they're. I don't want to know what the mascot of Sacred Heart is. The Aortas. The fighting Aortas. The fighting Aortas. As much of a clown. As much of a fraud. As everybody in that studio. They're the pioneers here. The pioneers. That studio's ducking Fordham. Pioneers. Yeah. Who does Fordham have in the next round? In the uh, next round, they've got New Hampshire, the number one seed. (sighs) A lot of conflict there for me. Yeah. But you know what? We've ridden the Rams this far. 
all in on America's team. We're going to break that game down on Wednesday, obviously, to to such a degree of detail. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That you cannot even imagine. We're going to do that. Um, and we've had a lot of calls now. I shouldn't say calls, but uh, tweets mm-hmm. from people asking if uh, if we'd be interested in calling a Patriot League game. These aren't actually people with any power. These are people you know. who listen to the show. But yeah. I think we could do a good job with that. Oh, we definitely we should be at least co-captains tossing out uh, like the coin. We should toss a coin. We should. I mentioned that you've been talking a big game about your national anthem ability. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got. I do have Ariana Grande thoughts. Do we want to go there now? Well, no, I was just going to. Well, we'll talk about it more on a Q&A show, hopefully this week. Okay, but yeah, let's do that. I haven't. You want to hear my impression of Ariana Grande? Uh, please. You are in the wrong line of work, Dan. I know. That's my impression. All right. Well, again, a lot of ground covered in today's show. Yeah. A lot of ground. Almost too much ground. We had a long reverbs because people called in. We had a lot of action to discuss. Now things slow down a little bit. Now we can focus a little bit more on Iowa State TC. Huh? Conference championship game. Oh, say Iowa State TCU. We could focus a little bit more on these big games coming up True. this coming week. We could focus on the bowl season and the playoffs, and we can hopefully hone in on some of the things that uh, all y'all would like to hear a little bit more of as we mm-hmm. embark upon this first season of college football playoffs, Dan. Um, Do you think UCLA might think they have another game next week? <laughs> it's like, I, we never know. <laughs> we never know. Uh, it was a malfunctioning Google Somebody puts calendar. Somebody uniform inside. I was like, oh, sorry, I just woke up. What a disaster. Yeah, it's great. All right, that's all I got. All right, that's all I got. Okay, well, before we say goodbye, Verballers, don't forget, you can help us stay free to download by completing a short anonymous survey. It won't take longer than five minutes. Your answers are going to help match the show with advertisers that fit your sensibilities and our sensibilities as well. Complete the survey. You'll be entered into an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're not going to share your info. not going to sell your email address. The only way you'll get an email is if you win this $100 Amazon gift card. You can fill out the survey right now if you go to podsurvey.com slash solid dash verbal. That is podsurvey.com slash solid dash verbal. Take the survey. Get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card and help out the show in the process. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein, beautiful New York City. For myself, Ty Hildenbrandt here in good old Eastern PA. Thanks again for tuning into the Solid Verbal. We will catch you all in a few days. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.